Heavenly Father, we thank you that we before us this morning we have the very words of you, that you have indeed spoken through your word and preserved it through the centuries to, so that we can have it here this morning before us. Lord, we pray that you may indeed bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. Lord, we pray that we may be encouraged to be more like your son Jesus Christ in the way that we handle scripture and the way that we speak scripture. We pray that you may use us greatly for your kingdom as a result of hearing you preach through me this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know how often you are lost for words. Uh, Some people never seem to be lost for words. They've always got something to say. And some people always seem to be lost for words. They never really know what to say in any given situation. And particularly I've experienced being lost for words when it came to exam questions at different times. You would come to an exam and you'd sit there and you'd see the question and you really had nothing to say. You were totally lost for words. You, you knew that you'd studied that part in your, in your um, study notes, but then you were lost for words when it came to that critical moment in the exam. And I actually remember being in an exam and there was a question there. This is when I was studying podiatry at university. And it was something like, uh, what are the three causes of some sort of disease? And I looked at it and went, oh, yes. And I started writing and I got two. And I remember sitting there and I was like, what's the th- What's the third one? I mean, there's quite a few, but what, I just need one more. And as I looked up to, to try and remember, I saw the paper of the person in front of me. He was holding it up, reading it, and studying it. And he had one. He was looking at the same question. And I, I saw the answer. I saw the, the one he had was one I didn't have. And I was, I was lost for words myself. But there were his words there on the paper, and I knew that was the right answer. And so without thinking, I wrote it down. And then I had a pang of guilt and went, Oh, and so I thought, well, God wouldn't bless this. This, this is His words that I've written down, basically, not my words. And so I ended up scribbling all over that answer, uh, that that third answer, because I knew they were His words. They were not my words. I was lost for words in that situation. That that third cause of that disease, and so I had to scribble it out. It was not my words that I was putting on that paper. And this morning, I want us to look at how we are to speak as Christians so that we're not lost for words. We need to be ready to give a response. We need to have words to speak to people. And that's what I want to look at this morning as we come to verse 11 of 1 Peter chapter 4. In previous, last week, we started to look at uh, exercising gifts in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 4. If you've got a black church Bible, you can open it up and look at that on page 1203 where it said in verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We should use whatever gift we have received. And now Peter wants to give us a few uh, helps as to instructions as to how we are to use our gifts. And so this week in verse 11, at the beginning of verse 11, I want us to look at the words, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. He's giving us some instructions on how to use the gift of speech. Next week, we'll look at, um, this is if everything goes according to plan. I don't try to plan too much ahead of to what I'm going to preach on. But next week, we'll look at how we are to get strength uh, for exercising our gifts. And then the week after that, we'll look at how we are to, uh, what is the purpose of exercising our gifts in many ways as well. And that all comes from verse 11. So we'll spend three weeks in one verse, um, all going according to plan. We'll see how we go. Uh, But this week, I want to look at 
what Peter tells us about how we are to use the gift of speech. And so my first main point this morning is speak as a Christian. We're supposed to speak as a Christian. We're supposed to use the gift of speech. That means that if anyone has a mouth and is able to talk, I mean, I recognise that some people who are Christians are unable to speak because of some sort of uh, physical uh, handicap, Then, but pretty much the rest of us, we are able to speak. And if we have the gift of speech, then we're supposed to open our mouth and indeed speak. Because that's what it says here in verse 11. It says, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone speaks, if you are able to speak, then he gives us instructions on what to do. Now, some people might say, oh, well, no, what he's really talking about here is for those people who speak as leaders of the church. So verse 11 is really after those people who are responsible for preaching and teaching ministries at church, who do a lot of the speaking of Christians and are a public spokesperson for Christianity, or at least for the church that they are a part of. But I don't think that's the case. I think this is a broad command given to all people who are able to speak and are Christians. Why would I say that? Well, the word anyone is there in verse 11. It's saying anyone. It's not saying If leaders speak, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. It says if anyone speaks, saying that if you have the ability to speak, then when you speak, this is what you should do. And also the instructions to leaders of the church are coming later. At the beginning of, well, for most of 1 Peter, it's not written to leaders of the church. It's written to the Christian's as a general population. The instruction to leaders comes in chapter 5, verse 1. If you just look over to chapter 5, verse 1, what does it say? To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. He's very specific there. I'm talking to the elders of the church. Whereas back here in 4.11, he says, if anyone speaks. So these instructions here are given to all people who have a mouth and use it. If you're going to open your mouth and speak, then Peter has some instructions for you as to how you are to speak. And we see that in the Bible, that um, people are supposed to speak according to what God says they should do. And we see that even back in 1 Peter 3, when he talks and says that people should uh, speak in a particular way when people ask them questions. 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He expects all Christians to be able to speak about the answer for the hope that they have. And then in the New Testament, through other parts, like the Apostle Paul, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's in Ephesians 4.29. There's quite a few commands in the New Testament about how to use your mouth. We're expected to use our mouths. And in the Old Testament... The people of God were expected to use their mouths as well. It wasn't just the leaders that were supposed to use their mouths. All the people were supposed to and instruct one another by their mouths. We read that passage from Judges 5, maybe a bit of an obscure one to use as a proof text for people uh, instructing others. But in that, in verse 10 and 11, Deborah is singing and she says, You who ride on white donkeys sitting on your saddle blankets and you who walk along the road, consider the voice of the singers at the watering places. They recite the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts of his warriors in Israel. Consider people singing as they're getting water at the watering places. What are they singing? They're talking about God and his righteous acts. 
People are supposed to instruct others. Um, the people of God are opening their voices, and that is helpful for God's kingdom. And in Malachi, there's another example, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. Those who heard Malachi's uh, prophecy in Malachi 3.16 are said to have talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. People were talking to one another. So there is a time... To open your mouth. There's also a time to close your mouth, and Proverbs talks a lot about that, knowing when to speak and when to listen and, uh, and when to close that mouth. But there is a time to open your mouth and use it. God has given you a mouth, and it's not just for eating and drinking. It's also for speaking. And when you speak, God has an opinion about what should come out of your mouth as well. Now, what ways would God want you to speak? What situations would he want you to speak in? Well, by encouraging others, counselling others, in singing, in praying. You use that mouth to speak while you pray. You share the gospel, as we read from 1 Peter 3, 15, where you give an answer for the hope that you have. You're expected to do that. You're expected to use that mouth to praise God, to testify about what God has done in your life or in the lives of others. When we read biographies, that's a wonderful way that we can testify about how God has used someone else, like that book that I just reviewed. You use that mouth in all those kinds of ways to advance God's kingdom by doing that with your mouth. But if you're going to speak, what should you say? Because there's lots of things that you can say. What should you say? Are you ever lost for words when you go to counsel someone or go to pray? You don't know what to say. Or someone asks you to give an answer for the hope that you have and you really don't have an answer. Or you want to encourage someone, but you don't know what to say to them. Are you lost for words when you go to use your mouth? It's very well, all very well for Joel to instruct you with his first main point, speak as a Christian. But yeah, okay, I want to speak. You've convinced me of that. But what do I say when I'm supposed to help God's kingdom advance by using my mouth? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Speak the very words of God. And that's what he says in verse 11. It says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. When you open your mouth to speak, Peter says, you shouldn't be lost for words because you should speak the very words of God. Now, what are the very words of God? Well, they're God's actual words. They're divine sayings is another way of translating this. Or in the ESV and, K and the King James, they have it as oracles of God. And the NASB, the New American Standard, has it as utterances of God, what God has uttered, what God has actually said. And so what are the very words of God then? Well, uh, scriptures, what we have in our Bibles. They are the very words of God. And so it's not surprising then that the Greek word that is used here, that's translated the very words of God by the NIV, is actually used in other parts of the New Testament. It's only used a few times. It's used to refer to the Bible, to the Old Testament scriptures. In Acts 7.38, the Greek word there is used to refer to what Moses received on the mountain, which of course is the Old Testament or at least the Pentateuch. That's what Moses received on the mountain or the, the commands from God, the Ten Commandments. That's what the very words of God are. The Old Testament in Acts 7.38. In Romans 3.2, it talks about, uh, uses that Greek word to describe the words of God entrusted to the Jews. 
which of course, what are the words entrusted to the Jews by God? The Old Testament, God's word. He's actually speaking through prophets. He's contained in the Old Testament. And so the Jews are in a privileged position, Paul says, because they have been entrusted with the very words of God, which is the Bible. And then in Hebrews 5.12, it's that same Greek word that's translated here, the very words of God in 1 Peter 4.11, is used to speak of God's word in reference to basic truths, which if you look at Hebrews and you read the book of Hebrews, you come quickly to understand how much the Old Testament is permeated through the book of Hebrews. What are the very words of God to the, the author of Hebrews, who we're not really sure who it is? It's got to be the Old Testament. That's where the very words of God are contained. And then, of course, we believe as Christians that the very words of God are also contained in the New Testament, that the Old Testament and the New Testament are all spoken by the word of God. By God. They're all God-breathed. And so, when Peter says here in 1 Peter 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God, what should you speak? If it's the very words of God, you should be speaking the Bible. So, how do we fulfill what Peter says here? Well, when we quote the Bible, we're fulfilling it. We're literally fulfilling it. When you quote the Bible, rattle off parts of the Bible, you're speaking the very words of God. And then, of course, we can also take it, I think, uh, with uh, good reason, that we can't just speak the Bible continuously all the time, but we speak what's in accordance with the Bible, what's in line with the Bible, what fits with the truths that are contained in the Bible. When we speak, we speak the very words of God. When we say what the Bible's opinion is on something, then we are speaking the very words of God. We may not speak it in exact word order that the Bible speaks about it, but we're speaking something that is indeed proclaimed by the very word of God, by the Bible itself. So that means whenever you open your mouth to build up other people, to build up the kingdom of God, what are you supposed to do? Plagiarize the Bible. Take the Bible and use it. Use its ideas. Don't use your own thoughts. Use the Bible's thoughts. Plagiarize the Bible. When you preach and teach, if you do that, what should you do? You should plagiarize the very words of God. You should teach what comes from the word. Don't teach what comes from other things. Teach what comes from the word. You should speak the very words of God, Peter says. When you counsel or advise someone, you should be plagiarizing the very words of God. If you are trying to encourage them, trying to encourage a fellow Christian, what's the best thing you can say to them? Something that comes from God's word. Quote to them a verse. Speak the very words of God literally to them. A verse that you really like and find comforting yourself in times of hardship. Like Romans 8.28, all things work for the good of those who love him. You can quote that, you can say that to them and encourage them with that. Or a psalm that you really enjoy and love. You read that with them. Don't sit there and say, they're there, and that's about all you say to them as they're struggling. Take them to the very words of God. That's what Peter wants you to do. You can do it literally by opening it up and quoting it, or you can say something that's in line with it. You may not get it word perfect, but you've got the, the big idea. And so you tell them what God would say to them in that situation because you know that it comes from the scriptures. And when you sing with your mouth, you use your mouth, you open your mouth to sing, what should you sing? 
We should sing the very words of God. We should plagiarize the Bible. And that's why we tried this church to sing songs that are in accordance with the word or add direct quotes out of the word itself as well. Spend a bit of time, I do with a few people, going through the songs of this church and making sure that every single one of them fits in theologically with the Bible. Now, of course, we may make mistakes and as the, as the writers have made mistakes and we may think that they're uh, saying something that isn't true. And, uh, and so then we may have made mistakes. And like last Sunday, we sang one that I thought at the end, mm, I'm not sure about that. And so I've cut two verses off that for the next time that we sing it. The last two verses, I've said, no, nah, I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think that's necessarily biblically accurate, accurate. And so I don't want to sing that anymore at church because it is not in line with the very words of God. And when we try to pray, what should we do? We should pray the very words of God. There are many uh, prayers in the Bible that you can actually learn and pray word for word pretty much. I mean, most of you know at least one. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's a good prayer to pray. Now, we've also got to understand that that's a way to pray in a sort of a structure, that we don't just pray that and think that's the only prayer Jesus wants us to pray. But we pray prayers that are in the Bible. There's prayers of Paul that you can pray. Psalms, you can pray them. You pick them up and you actually go through that and you pray them. You don't just read the psalm, you pray the psalm. You can do that. And you can do that with most passages in the Bible fairly easily. You can turn them into a prayer. And then there's books that will help you uh, turn Bible passages into prayer as well. One that we use at the prayer meeting on Sunday afternoons, Matthew Henry's Method for Prayer. We always take a prayer from it. And it's amazing how biblically uh, infected that prayer is. That we aren't really praying Matthew Henry's method, uh, Matthew Henry's words. We're praying the Bible turned into a prayer. And that's what we should do. He says, if anyone speaks or if anyone prays, and when you open that mouth, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. And so I encourage you to speak literally the words of God in prayer, but also speak what's in a line with his word as you pray as well. It doesn't mean that only when you pray you're meant to pray literally the Bible, but pray what's in accordance with his word. You don't pray for dumb things that the Bible doesn't instruct you to pray for, which you may really want, but you shouldn't pray for them because the Bible doesn't encourage you to pray for such things. And when you answer questions, when someone asks you a question, what should you answer them with? Well, the very words of God. Quote them scripture. When non-Christians ask you, what must I do to be saved? What is the good news about Jesus Christ? Don't be afraid to quote John 3.16 to them. They may have heard it many times before, but it's amazing how someone who's heard a Bible verse many times, when you say it at a particular time in their life, it suddenly hits them. Everybody seems to know John 3.16, and so people think, oh, I shouldn't say it. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son into the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so we think, oh, no, I can't rattle that off as an answer to what the gospel is. It's a very good answer to the gospel. What is the gospel? There's other verses that you could use as well, if you don't want it to sound cliche. But don't be afraid to use that one. Memorize that verse and rattle it off. That's what Peter wants you to do. Use the very words of God. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I want to encourage you that that is the very words of God for you at this time and place. That's the best thing you can hear. 
is that you need to trust that Jesus died for you. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How do, do you want eternal life? Do you want to live forever? I encourage that you should. Then how are you to have that? Well, the very word of God says you must believe in that son that God sent to die. And I encourage you to trust that Jesus did indeed die for you. If you're a Christian and people are asking you other questions, not just how, uh, how can I be saved or what is the gospel, but they ask you things about things like homosexual marriage. What are you supposed to do in that situation? And that's where a lot of Christians are lost for words. They get a bit tongue-tied. They know that it's culturally unacceptable to say homosexuality is sinful and, yes, I don't really support homosexual marriage, but they keep their mouths shut and they don't say anything. What would Peter tell you to say? Tell you to say the very words of God. Now, that doesn't mean you necessarily quote Romans 1 to them literally or um, other parts of scripture like Leviticus that talk about homosexuality, but you do say that the Bible does condemn homosexuality as a sin. That's speaking the very words of God because that is what God would say to that person. It may not be exactly word for word, but that's in accordance with his word. And that traditional, uh, that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's how God made the uh, made Adam and Eve. He didn't make Adam and Steve. You're quoting scripture back to them that Adam and Eve, they were the first parents. That's how God made us to be. And so when someone says that as a Christian they get up and speak and say, oh no, homosexual, homosexuality isn't a sin or homosexual marriage is okay for Christianity, they're not so much denying Christian marriage or traditional marriage, they're denying the very word of God. That's what's at stake with the whole debate about homosexuality, really, homosexual marriage. It's not a debate really about marriage for Christians. It's a debate about what is your authority when you open your mouth and speak. Is your authority the very word of God or is it something else? And so this last week, the Church of England over in England, uh, the Church of England is in lots of places, but it makes decisions about uh, what it believes in different areas. The Church of England in England has dropped its opposition to gay clergymen in civil partnerships becoming bishops provided the men concerned promise to remain celibate. That's their official position now. You can be homosexual as long as you're in a civil partnership where you aren't uh, going outside that civil partnership. You can be a bishop of the church. This is a denial of God's word. When they make statements like this, they're not speaking the very words of God. Instead, they're speaking the very words of themselves and the popular culture that they're immersed in. That's what they're speaking. So a Christian should never be lost for words because when you open your mouth, you don't have to work out what to say. The Bible tells you what to say. You can plagiarise somebody else, and that is God himself. And that's encouraging for me as a pastor. I'm a fairly young pastor. I'm getting older, but I'm still fairly young, and many of you are much older than me. And... It encourages me to know that I am not responsible to give my own opinion about any situation that you may ask me on as the pastor of this church. I don't have to give my opinion. I just have to give you God's opinion. If I know God's opinion, then I'm okay. It's not my opinion that you're after. It's God's. And it should be the same for you. When someone asks you a question, 
that you know is controversial or you don't know what to do in a situation, uh, they ask you about something really difficult, all you've got to do is know God's opinion. And then you hand that over. That's what Peter wants you to do. When you speak, do it as one speaking the very words of God. But how then do you know what parts of God's word to say in any given situation? It's all very well for me to say, yes, when you speak, speak the very words of God. But the Bible's a big book. There's a lot of words in God's word. When someone asks you, what should I do about homosexual marriage? Do you start with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and rattle through to the end of Revelation, and then you've spoken the very words of God to them? It's a big book. They'll be there for, I think it's like 72 hours to read the Bible cover to cover. So they'll spend three days with you as you speak the very words of God to them. Is that what you're supposed to do? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Speak the very words of God by studying the words of God. The Bible is indeed a big book. You've got to know how to plagiarise it appropriately. And how do you do that? By studying it. You need to read scripture. You need to read it each day. Every day, read scripture. If you've got time to read the paper each day, then you've got time to read the Bible each day. Because if you don't, if you read the paper each day, if you read the Sydney Morning Herald each day, when you open your mouth to speak, it's very likely that you'll speak the very words of the Sydney Morning Herald and not the very words of God. And the words of the Sydney Morning Herald are not always to be used. You need to read the Bible each day if you want the Bible to start coming out of your mouth. You need to study the scripture. Don't just read it, but study it. Try to understand it. Ask questions of it. And then ask those questions of other authorities, of books or other people. What's your opinion on this? Study the scripture. Memorize the scripture. Get it into your head. Memorize verses like John 3.16. Have them ready to go when someone asks you a question. Pray from the scripture. Get the Bible open when you have your prayer time. Open it up to Psalms and start to pray through those Psalms. Sing the scripture. Teach from the scripture. When you teach people, make sure you're teaching from it. That's a very good way to learn scripture is to actually get in some sort of teaching role. And then when you open to give your mouth as an opinion, you will teach what is in line with the word. And don't be afraid to open up a Bible and read out from it. That's one of the encouraging things for me early in ministry was that I didn't have to memorise all the verses and then rattle them off. As long as I know where it is and I keep a Bible fairly handy, you can keep a little New Testament in your pocket, then you just pull it out and read exactly from the passage itself. You just memorise where in the Bible it is that that verse is that you would know to use in that situation. So you know that in this situation I use Romans 1 when I talk about homosexuality. I don't have to memorise all of Romans 1 or the part of Romans 1 that is specific about homosexuality. I just need to know that it's in Romans 1 and not be afraid to open it up, pull it out of my pocket and read it. And so I encourage you to do that. Don't just memorise scripture. Memorise where in scripture things are and then have a Bible handy. You don't even need to carry an actual physical Bible anymore. If your phone's a fairly clever phone, smartphone, then usually you'll have access to the Bible anyway. Don't be afraid to actually quote from Scripture. So I've told you this morning you need to speak as a Christian. I've told you that you need to speak the very words of God, and you do that by studying the Word of God. My last main point then is what motivation should you have for speaking the very words of God? 
And that brings me to that point. It says, speak the very words of God because the end is near. In my last few sermons, I keep having this as my final point, but it's because this verse, verse 7, governs the rest of the paragraph. And I think we could miss it if we only concentrate on verse 11 and we miss verse 7 where it says the end of all things is near and then Peter says a bunch of things. I think the end of all things is near does motivate us to be very careful with our mouths and what we say. If the end of all things is near, you will soon have to give an account for every word you have spoken. Matthew 12:36 says, But I tell you, this is Jesus, that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. If the end of all things is near, that means the judgment of all things is near, and the judgment of all your words is near. And so when you open your mouth to speak, what should you speak? The very words of God. Don't speak your own words. Speak the very words of God. Because the end of all things is near. And if the end of all things is near, you only have so much time to speak the very words of God to people. It's a great motivation to know that the end of all things is near, not just to make you accountable for what you say, but remember, it's the end of all things is near. We don't know when it's coming. You may only have this afternoon to speak the very words of God to someone who desperately needs to hear the gospel message. And so if you're going to speak to that person this afternoon, they ask you what should you do to be saved? Are you going to speak your own words to them and then Jesus comes back tonight and they're still unsaved? Or are you going to speak God's word to them that is living and active? You'd want to speak the very words of God to them if you really believe that the end of all things is near. If it's coming very, very soon, you'd want to get God's word into them, not your words, because that's more likely to have an effect on their lives. So you want a motivation to speak the very words of God? Consider that the end of all things is near. So do you speak to others, or do you keep your mouth closed? There's some Christians that rarely speak, or if they do speak, they don't speak much to do with Christianity. Do you speak to others? And if you speak, then do you speak the very words of God? Or does a lot of the time that you speak consist of the very words of the popular culture around you? You're in a culture that's blasting you all the time with messages from it. And many of those messages are ungodly. And if you listen to those messages, they will start to come out of your mouth. Do you speak the very words of God when you open your mouth? Do you work at learning the very words of God so that you can speak the very words of God? We've got a new year ahead of you. What's your scripture memorization plan for this year? Have you got one? Have you got a plan to read the Bible, but also one to memorize some of the Bible this year? It will be a great help for you if you really are motivated to, to speak the very words of God, if you actually have some verses in your head. And then do you speak the very words of God because you know the end is near? You have to give an account soon for every word that you've spoken. Do you realise that? And then do you realise that if the end is very near, you only have a very small amount of time to speak to people, to build God's kingdom up. And so you want to make sure you speak the very words of God. Let's speak with our God now.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious word that you have given us, that we have before us the very words of God, and we do not need to doubt it. And Lord, we so often know that we have your word with us, but it doesn't translate into our lives and it doesn't come out of our mouths. Lord, we pray that we may do what Peter says, and when we speak, we may speak the very words of God. We pray that you may help us to study your word, to understand it, to memorise it, not be afraid to pull it out and speak directly from it to those who have questions for us. Lord, we pray indeed that your word may permeate our lives when we sing, when we pray, when we speak to others. Lord, we pray that your word may come from our mouth. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.